Hello listeners, this is WOW Real Talk. I'm your host Kayla. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about learning, unlearning, and relearning. I'm going to have one of my childhood friends joining me on the podcast today. Her name's Regina. I've known her for 25 years um, and I'm 28, so I've known her basically all my life. We're going to be talking about how growing up in San Pedro, which is LA County, uh, a lot of the kids were very mean. Uh, We picked on each other a lot, and so we learned to be mean back, and even Regina became a big bully herself. Um, Really just as a defense mechanism as a kid, you know, like, if you showed that you're weak, they're going to pick on you even more. So Regina learned to beat people up at a very young age and to even pick on them first. Um, Kind of if you pick on them first, then you're mean. They're not going to pick on you. Um, Regina stood up for me a lot in life whenever... Like, we're friends, and she went around telling everybody she was my aunt. She's only one year older than me, but... To me, this was very cool because she went around telling everybody, this is my niece. If you mess with my niece, I'm going to mess you up. So it was really nice for me having somebody else defend me. But Regina didn't really have anybody to defend her. So she was a very rough and tough girl herself. And she defended herself and me and a lot of our other friends too. And Regina's like 5'1". She's a little tiny thing and she's beat up people's moms she's beat up men she's just a really tough person and she's grown a lot though she has kids of her own and she's to me an amazing person an amazing role model um very inspiring person to have come from the childhood that she's come from and from how mean and a bully she was to now just wanting to help everybody and I don't know. To me, I think she's a very amazing person. So we're going to call her. We're going to get her on this podcast. And I'm going to kind of ask questions just to get her to tell you guys about her story and where she came from. Um, some of the stuff, this is not for, you know, gentle ears or children, really. Um, there's going to be probably some rough stuff to hear in this podcast. Um, she had a really rough life. Uh, her parents... Um, a lot of the parents, we grew up on a, a street that was all apartments, and a lot of the parents did drugs and didn't really pay much attention to their kids, or if they weren't doing drugs, then they were working really hard to try and get out of poverty. Um, so both her parents did drugs, and her dad was the more responsible one in life, and eventually her mom was not really in the picture at all. Her dad raised her which unfortunately now her dad is deceased for the last um, few years. He's been gone, which has been really really rough for Regina, um, raising her kids and not having her dad around. But we're going to dig into that. We're going to call her. She's going to tell us some of her crazy stories and all the things that she taught herself how to be defending herself and super rough and mean to everybody. And then 
how like when and how she learned that maybe this is not the best way and how she has been trying to unlearn those ways and been trying to learn better ways for her and for her children so let's give her a call and let's get into that Can you hear me? Yes, you can hear me? Okay, awesome. So this is my friend Regina that I was talking about. Um, We're going to start from the beginning, really, I guess. Um, I kind of want you to talk about, like, so I already introduced you in the beginning, and what I was telling them about your childhood was how rough it was, really. I didn't go into super details. I was just saying, like, you know, how some of the kids at school are really mean and you would, like, obviously fight to defend yourself and then how you kind of became a bully. And, like, that's all (laughs) I know. It is, like, now that you look back on it, it is really funny. But as an adult, you could look at it that it was really a defense mechanism that you kind of going around being super mean was a way of, to me, at least that I think, uh, if you're mean first, they're not going to want to mess with you, like, really. And I feel like not only was it, like, not only was it the kids at school, but like your sister at home and kind of like the way your parents were. So I, I'm gonna give you the freedom to kind of dive in to your childhood. And we'll talk about that first. So definitely didn't have the best childhood, but it was not the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mom was on drugs when she was, well, before, before I was even born, she was on drugs, her and my dad both. And, um, so when she was pregnant with me, she decided to continue to do drugs instead of stop. So I came, I believe I came out a little early, not too early, but I came out a little early Mm. and was born with crack cocaine in my system. So I was born having seizures and all that extra stuff. Um, so CPS got involved and they took me and my sister for the first two. And I honestly didn't even find that out until my dad died. Yeah, I didn't I even know him. that. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, so after he died, me and my sister, you know, we took the time to go through his stuff and we found the fucking paperwork that said that we were not in our in my parents' custody. Wow. So I found that out at what, 20, I was, how old was I when I had Jay Lee? Like 23? I was about 23 when I found that out. Yeah. Like I had, I had always known about the drugs because, so even as I got older, you know, I'm, I'm noticing my mom's in the bathroom and when she's in the bathroom, she's in there for long periods of time and there's a funny smell and so yeah, like growing up, I knew there wasn't something, there was something not wrong with my mom, but my mom wasn't a normal mom, like my friend's mom, AKA yeah. your mom and kind of sort of Carmen and Stephanie's mom. So when I was, what, I think five, oh, you guys are going to, sorry, you guys are going to hear my torch. I smoke weed and I have wax. So um <laughs> So yeah, so when I was, what, about five, I think it was, when I decided to try to smoke my first cigarette, mm-hmm. my 
was on a my mom was on a crack come down, and so she was passed the fuck out. My dad had just got back from work. He was a truck driver, and he that's when he was still doing cross country. So he'd be gone for days to weeks at a time. So he was extremely exhausted, and he was asleep. And they both left their cigarettes and lighters on the floor, so I grabbed them. I went in my room and decided to try to smoke one. Didn't work out so great because I didn't. <laughs> and I put it down on. Dude, and it's so crazy because even though I was five, I remember bits and pieces, but very, very vividly. Like, <laughs> so I remember not liking it, and I remember I was using one of my um, one of my tea set plates as an ashtray, and I yeah. put the six on the on the quote unquote ashtray. And I started doing something else. Next thing I remember, I turned around and my bed was on fire because we had those knitted blankets. So, of course, I'm a daddy's girl. So I go run to my dad. Dad, dad, daddy, my bed's on fire. And like right after I told him that, the smoke alarm starts going off. And he tries to wake up my mom. He's getting pots from the kitchen to try to throw water on my bed. And. He's telling my mom, go get the fire extinguisher from downstairs. This dumbass decides to run outside, no shoes on, and she's running in circles. Come on, my house is on fire. My house is on fire. Mm. And I'm downstairs with Martha and her family. And it was just a fucking mess. So maybe we moved. After that, we moved over by uh, where your mom used to live at on 26th and Cabrillo, right? Yeah. That's what that street that's yeah, like by the yeah. Coach. So we lived. Yeah, so we moved over there in those apartments, and we lived there for a little while. But we were having problems because there was mold in the apartment, and you know, my sister's asthma. Yeah. So we ended up being offered to move back to the apartment on Park Western that I had burned down. So we moved back, and shortly after we moved back, that's when my parents finally split up and that's really when a lot of my issues started yeah in a way I feel like it like uh, probably not at the time of course but I feel like that was the best thing for you because your mom is so toxic but I could see how that could like be emotionally like traumatizing I guess for a little kid yeah you said you said she's toxic so let's go into that because this is when the toxicity really started because now she's a single mom of two. My dad moved out. She has no job, no source of income. So how is she supposed to pay her bills and get high, right? Mm -hmm. So it was like almost immediately after my dad moved out, my dad stopped doing cross-country trucking. Okay. He started only doing the local route. So that way, he would be able to see me and my sister more. Even though my sister was not his child, my sister was his priority along with me. Yeah. He made that very clear our entire life. No matter how much me and my sister hated it, how much we hated each other growing up, you know, like that was one thing we could agree on. We hate the fact that we had to share my dad. (laughs) (laughs) But she's lucky. He's like the best thing for both of you guys he was honestly bro like if it wasn't for my dad I honestly don't know where my sister would be at I'm pretty sure we would not have a relationship 
Yeah. To this day, like literally, we would not have a relationship today if it was not for him. Yeah, I agree. So, um, from the age of what was that seven to ten, I believe seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. No, about nine. Um, from nine to well, I'll say eight because it was a little bit before that. So eight to what was that? The fifth grade to my fifth grade year. Mm-hmm. Actually, no. So it was like third grade. So in third grade, I remember it was third grade. I don't, even, I don't remember how old I was, but it was in the third grade was when I finally moved, quote unquote, moved out of my mom's house to my dad's house because. Within those couple of years that my dad had moved out, leading to that point, I started, I hit puberty. I started growing boobs and growing pubic hair in elementary school. I know, super early. And, like, you had C-cup boobs, like, in the fourth, fifth grade, like. Bruh. Yeah. Bruh. Yeah. I started, I started growing hair on my vagina in the first grade. That's so crazy. That's so crazy. That makes life harder for and a little so, kid. That's, like. It definitely does. It definitely does. So by the third, before I hit the third grade, which was when I tra- I, I transitioned from my mom's to my dad's on my own willingly, I wanted to. Um, my mom and my sister used to actually strip me down and they probably, my sister probably didn't mean no harm, really. Mm-hmm. But my mom, you're grown, you know better. They would make fun of me. Oh, look, you have hair. Look, you have little mosquito bites. Just, and they would literally take my clothes off. Yeah, that's so horrible. And now that I'm older, I realize that's why I've always been so self-conscious about my body. You know, yeah. we would all go out, all this, especially when we went to rave. Bitch, you'd be half naked. Excuse my French, y'all. I'm, I'm a cusser, but yeah. You'd be out there half naked, and here I am in a goddamn long sleeve shirt and some shorts. Yeah. Because... I'm self-conscious about my body. Well, and you have, like, such a beautiful body for you to be, like, covering it like that. And you would wear, like, hoodies all the time, too, because you were so self-conscious. I do, and I still do. <laughs> and I still do, unfortunately. Even with Joseph, you know, we've been together, what, this year will be nine years. We have two kids together. Even still with him, I'm just like, bro, can you get out the bathroom while I'm changing, please? yeah. Like, I'm still very self-conscious about my body, especially now after having journeys. Like, my body's changed a lot. I don't. I didn't get new stretch marks with her, thank God. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, my body's just different. I'm, I'm bigger everywhere, and, and this belly won't go away. <laughs> <laughs> you literally just had her, though. She's only a couple months, so. Yeah. But so, what else did... Rachel do back then um there was one time my dad came to pick me and my sister up for school you know she was going to Dodson and we were going to um Park Western and if we were both ready at the same time he we would stop at Circus Circus Donuts and then we'd go to school yeah so this particular morning I was pretty much ready I just didn't have my shoes on yet and I didn't have my jacket on but they were right there by the door so I was able to grab them and I'm trying to go and Rachel wasn't letting me Rachel 
I don't know. I'm pretty sure she was on a come down. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she decided to throw this big ass. It was like, you're not walking around my motherfucking house. No shoes and jacket on and blah, blah, blah. You know, typical black mom shit. So she snatched me by the back of my hair and I tried to like pull away still because I wasn't really tender headed at that point anymore. Cause yeah. So and she ended up putting me in a chokehold and uh, I remember like trying to scream and I couldn't scream and I'm watching my dad and my sister walk to the car like and they can't hear me and I'm trying to scream and and by the time they're pulled off she's finally done choking me and I so my stupid ass I tried to call 911 but I promise y'all 911 did not answer yeah that's so crazy yep and then so also, there was a time in between this where my parents had to take me to the doctor's office. I don't remember what the argument was about, honestly, but I remember my mom started an argument with my dad. My dad just kept telling her, like, can we just take her to the doctors? Can we just take her to the doctors? Can we get through one day without an argument? Can we just take her to the doctors? And Rachel kept going on and on. So finally, by the time we get to Torrance, that's when I was uh, going to Torrance Memorial, and um, as soon as we get there, my mom's like causing the scene. And so she grabs me and she's like, come on, let's go. My dad stayed outside. Like he didn't want to go in with her because he knew she was going to keep going on. And so he stayed outside. And when we got inside the, uh, inside the doctors, my mom sat there and told me like, when the police come, you need to tell them that he hit me. Oh my goodness, that's horrible. And actually, around that same time, I got my first pap smear oh. because my Rachel tried to say my dad touched on me. Oh my god! My dad does. My, you know, my dad was honest. My dad was so honest. When I got older, my dad told me that the reason that happened was because um, before he met my mom, like this is why he was in prison and pretty much kind of came to California. He hooked up with one of my cousin's friends. Mm. But my cousin was there and the girl lied about her age. Yeah. So my dad ended up going to jail for having sex with an underage girl. Yeah. I mean, and he was in the party scene. I mean, who wasn't back in those days, honestly? Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, um, yeah, my mom my mom used that against him and I got a pap smear, I believe, when I was that's horrible. That, oh my goodness. That hurts me. That breaks and me. I'm like, I'm about to cry because this is some shit that I've never even told you. And we've been friends for over 20 years. So Yeah. I mean, I know how crazy life was for you. But yeah, there's definitely, um, I know it does, it does go deeper than I even know for sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely does. Yeah. Um, my funniest. My funniest one, though, is when my mom was being really, really, really petty, and she didn't want to give my dad the car back. It was some white car that um, he had got, because he still had his blue truck. Okay. But he got my mom, he got he got a white car so my mom could drive me and my sister around, too. She didn't want to give it back. <laughs> like, and I, I somewhat don't blame her but at the same time I'm like bruh you didn't really give a fuck about your kids so yeah she wanted it she wanted it so she could go hang out 
Right. She, I, I remember she used to take me with her. We would drive to the project. And she would have me look out the window and watch the kids play at the playground while the dope man would come up to her side of the window and she would buy her dope. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I told you, bro, I told you. Dude that used to sell her dope when we used to kick it on 30th and Pacific. Yeah. Dude that sold her dope was over there one day. Oh, you did. You did tell me that. Oh, I do remember that. And I forgot what he said to me and I told him, I was like, you don't remember me, huh? You used to sell dope to my mom in the project. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But like he to, over there, bro. He used to he used to he used to come by our house. He used to he used to hang out with people that live next door to you too. Yeah. I don't want to name Yeah. Yeah, San Pedro's pretty small, so I mean it does make sense that of course one dealer would be the bit like a dealer to multiple other people. I mean, I was like that with our weed man, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what about like a, a little bit like your sister too? I remember you telling me some crazy stories of like Jasmine, um, you know, um, like. Hold on, wait, pause. Let me finish telling you. My mom didn't oh, want okay. to get the car back. Yeah, my bad. No, my dad did. Huh? <laughs> he stopped paying the car note. <laughs> <laughs> He's funny. <laughs> and then. Because my mom used to have the neighbor block the car in so the tow truck couldn't come get it, right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so then one night, my dad paid the neighbor to move their car so the tow truck could tow the car. He's so funny. I love your dad. He's so funny. Bruh, he's the best. But, so, yeah, my sister, she was evil, too. Um, let's see. She put me in the... Let's start from the beginning where I first came home. When we first came home, she tried to put me in the refrigerator. Oh, I guess because I wouldn't cry. Oh, wow. She put me in the dryer and she started it. Oh. That was when I think... I don't know. How old was I? I don't remember how old I was. There was one time our parents left us home alone. It was like after they broke up too. Like my dad was trying to be nice to my mom, you know, and it, they were doing something up at Peck Park with parents. So... <clears throat> my dad took my mom up there or whatever and um so I don't know why me and my sister got an argument we got an argument so but she trying to call her friend back and I'm trying to call Carmen and them and see if they're home and see if I can come over there because I didn't want to be there with her mm-hmm. and uh, so you know I was back when we had two we had that's like when the cordless phones first came out so she's on the cordless phone and I'm on the cord phone and we're back and forth trying to call. <laughs> so I decided to unplug the cordless phone so I can use the cord phone to make my phone call. And, um, yeah, she came out to where I was at, punched me in my stomach, and I passed the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> but how much older is she than you? Um, we're like five, almost six years apart. So she'll. I just turned 29, and she will be 30 this year okay and she'll be 35 in october yeah. and so what else was there there was a time where she used to sleep we had like the full-size bottom bunk and the twin size top bunk and like i threw a whole fit about wanting to sleep on the bottom bunk because the bed was bigger but in all reality i really just wanted to sleep with my sister i just didn't know how to express that yeah 
So uh, one night when she was up on the top bunk, mind you, she's older than me, so she's already pissed off. she got to be on the top bunk. So one night I decided to try to climb up there and get in bed with her. She decided to push me out the bed and hang me by the back of the T-shirt. Oh, my gosh. From the top bunk. Um, she used to play softball, and I remember there was one time we were in Mary's yard, because she played with Mary. <clears throat> they were getting ready to go to softball practice, and I wanted to play catch, but I don't know why I didn't have my glove. I don't know where my glove was at. I don't know why I didn't have my glove, but I wanted to play catch. And so her excuse was to my mom, like, oh, she doesn't have a glove. My mom was like, still play catch with her. So my sister being my sister and mad that she still has to play with me, she she threw the ball at my thigh <laughs> with all her might, bro. Like, literally with all of her might. Like, I had the lines from the ball imprinted on my thigh. Oh, my gosh. Okay, one I always remember you telling me was when, what was it, her friend was over there and her friend was holding you down while she beat you up? Oh, that, that was when I was older. That was when I got older and I was on house arrest, actually. But I used to slip my house arrest bracelet off, and um, it was Super Bowl Sunday, and my dad told her, because she was supposed to be on quote-unquote punishment, my dad told her, like, oh, you have to take your sister with you. So she was pissed off, and um, she ended up leaving me while I was in the shower. So when she came home, she came home, like, loaded as fuck, drunk as fuck, talking shit talking about she ain't gonna be shit in life she's just gonna be a low life and look at her always in and out of jail we'll be like this so um you know me being me I came out the room and was like you got something to say I'm right here and yeah it shit went from there and we ended up fighting and her friend instead of grabbing her she pinned me down the bed and my sister started hitting me and then she even went as far as picking up my own Jordan and beating me with it so I had like the blood contusion in my eye oh man and in, like the mix of all of that my dad got hit and so <clears throat> mind you, you know my dad's been sick my entire life so so at this point this is when he's on oxygen now so he's on oxygen and uh like, that's another thing, bro. Sorry. Like, this is kind of, it's not random, but it's, like, kind of going back. When I was a kid, my dad was in the hospital, and we were supposed to go to see him. But because my mom wanted to get cracked, we missed the visiting hours. Yeah. So, like, your, Regina's dad had emphysema growing up from smoking so much cigarettes and probably smoking crack, too. That, and he didn't stop smoking cigarettes when he found out about his emphysema. So, I always remember, like, Regina's dad being, um like pretty tiny and frail for the most part so part of it too was the truck driving yeah the pollution in the truck driving yeah. granted though he smoked my dad my dad was born in 1941 so he just um he just had his 80th birthday well if he would have been here he would have just turned 80 yeah uh so like he was born in like a whole different kind of time frame era, era whatever you want to call yeah. it yeah Everything was different back then. He was riding trailers and doing field work at nine years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when they had a lot of toxic and chemicals I, back then, and they didn't know how harmful they were to everybody. Yeah, and if I remember, I think he said he smoked for 45 years. 
Yeah, that's so long. That's a long time. Yeah. And so, like, my dad's lived in all different types of places. I actually have something upstairs of his that lists a lot of the places he's lived. Your dad was so smart, too. He knew, like, so much. Like, he was such a smart guy. Yeah, but sometimes, you know, that was annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Like a know-it-all? I know. Right. He even told us we weren't smoking. Uh, yeah, I remember he told us we were, well, at least me. He said I w- we weren't smoking weed, right? But then he explained to us how we were smoking. Oh, yeah, we were on the side of my house. Yeah. We were on the side of my house. That was when he told us he'd rather smoke right there on the side of my room than in the alley. Yeah. And we we're, I think we were smoking out of, we were, I know we were smoking out of a bong. And he said, so this is what he said, you guys. You have to plug your nose. <laughs> And blow out, but you're not blowing your air out. So pretty much like kind of holding your breath, but blowing it into your, I don't know how to explain it. But yeah, that's what he said that we had to do. And so we tried it and we're just like, what the fuck? We don't feel no different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he is funny for sure. But he did also say that back in his day, for the amount, that, for the price of, the price we were paying for weed, he would get a peanut butter jar full. Versus our, like, grammar tools. Yeah. But that's because, you know. Well, it was, like, grass back then. And now stuff, you have all these chemicals and grow lights, and you can make it, like, uh, so, so much stronger. The THC uh, levels in marijuana is, like, so strong compared to what it used to be. Yeah. Okay, I, I have to apologize, guys, because we did get off on another tangent, but there is more to that story of when my sister beat me with my own Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead, dive back into that. So, again, I was on house arrest, so... And my dad was sick, so he got hit. We had to call paramedics. Paramedics come. Of course, the police come because it's a fighting situation. And um, they told me, I told them, I was like, can't I just go to my cousin's house? Like, I was trying to go to Mary's mm-hmm. house. But they're like, oh, no, because you're on house arrest. Like, your option is we could take you to jail. And that's when that girl, Alyssa, was living with me, too. Okay, yeah. And so uh, um, they were like, she can go to... Child, uh, child services and you can go to jail. I was like, oh, no, nah, I'm cool. I'll stay here because I'm thinking in my mind, I'm going to just split my house arrest bracelet off and I'm going to take the car. Yeah. So that's what I did. When they, Once they left, I took my bracelet off, hopped in the car and took off. And when I took off, my sister and her friend were sitting in the alley in, the, in her car and they followed me. So I ended up picking up KG, rest in peace, and um, we drove around for a while, then still following us. We went from like Pedro to Long Beach to Wilmington. That's so Long crazy. Beach, That's like so far in such a long time to be following somebody. Yeah, mind you, I'm 14 at the time. Still 14. Um, and there was one point when we were in Long Beach, I was on Ocean making a left onto Alameda. And there was a cop making a right onto Ocean from Alameda. Mm-hmm. Like, so we pretty much crossed paths and they were honking, trying to flag the cop down and everything. Oh my bro. goodness. And I ended up making my way back to the bridges. And sure enough, when I'm on the bridges, my dad called saying he was being released from the hospital. So I was about to go pick him up. So I got off the freeway right there by, um, off a of harbor by the boats and stuff. And 
he was at San Pedro Peninsula. So when I got off the freeway, as soon as I got off the freeway, a cop swooped in between me and the car, between me and my sister, the car my sister was in. And they followed me. So when I got, mind you, the whole time I'm talking to, as soon as they swooped behind me, I was like, oh shit, y'all, I'm about to go to jail. Mm-hmm. So KG talking about don't say that we have the same PO like I'm gonna go to jail too blah 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 so when we got to 7th and Cabrillo mind you 7th and Cabrillo is a good at least maybe what 20 blocks from there yeah we got to 7th and Cabrillo the cop was still behind me and that's LAPD behind me so at the stop sign there's a port police and there's a Lomita Sheriff oh my god yeah so I said it again. Oh, well, I'm finna go to jail, y'all. <laughs> so I continue driving up. You know, from 7th and Cabrillo, you pretty much just have to go up the hill. So I go up the hill, and as soon as I turn my blinker on to turn into the hospital, bro, the helicopter light, there's like a million cop cars out of nowhere all of a sudden. And, um, yeah, they did the whole turn the car off, stick your hands out the window, open the car door, um, walk backwards to me. And my dad sees all this from the waiting room of the emergency room, so he's running outside. By the time he gets close enough, like, I'm already down on the ground with the gun to my back, and and my dad's getting closer, and the cop's like, stop, sir, stop, and then points the gun to my dad, and I'm finally like, dad, just fucking yeah. stop, like. So, yeah, I ended up getting arrested. KG got arrested, too, because he was on probation. But they let him go home. I didn't get to go home. I went to jail. Yeah. But it was like... I had a whole nother case, though. They ended up, so the next day, my dad got paperwork in the mail because the car, he put the car technically under my name. My dad was sick, so we had a transfer of death on our car. So it was in his name, but it said T-O-D and then my yeah. name. So at 14, like, the car was mine, and even though I didn't have my license. So the judge was just like, well, you have a bigger charge over here that you're fighting, so... They wanted me to drop this charge to just joyriding, but he's like, I'm going to just dismiss that whole case. Yeah. And it's like, and, uh, yeah, I had a whole nother case for, it was assault with great bodily injury. Well, and so this kind of like, this is like, we've like jumped so far ahead. This is like, you were fighting your whole entire life, like, and obviously from your family, the way you were raised, like, you pretty much had to start fighting from the time you were born to just defend yourself. And then by the time you got thrown into school, that was just your natural reaction. So I feel like when people started to yeah. like attack you and then uh, how tough your sister and your mom and everybody was on you, like obviously you came off extremely um, to me strong, of course, but yeah, so it's, I, I could really see how you became the bully just from what your sister... I hate that you just used the word strong because, you know, like I'm going through issues at work right now and they say that that is one of my strengths but also one of my weaknesses that I'm strong. Yeah. And apparently my coworkers are intimidated by little old me. I would be too. They should be. <laughs> 
I haven't given them a reason to like they're just scared I'm gonna take their job. But that's another that's another podcast for another Yeah, day. that's just you being a good employee because I feel like so many people don't really know how to be good employees nowadays. So that is really like a whole Yeah, so 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 as fucked up as my life was, you guys well I wouldn't even say fucked up as hard as yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. As my life was I still ended up working with homeless people. I still, I'm, I'm a good person. I've always been a good person. I just didn't really know how to express certain things, how to even process certain things. Because in my household, things weren't really processed. It was either an argument or it wasn't going to be talked about. And, like, with my mom, it was, a, like, a dictatorship. It was her way or no way. And then with my dad, I could have got away with yeah. murder. So there was no real, there was no real structure, in a sense. Like, as much as my mom tried to be structured, there was no real structure. Well, she wasn't even in the right state of mind to even and, try, like, or even know what proper structure is, really. Right, exactly. You know, like... My uncle always tells me this story about how um, I want to say he used to have a stand at the flea market that they did or that they do mm-hmm. at Harbor College. My sister, it was um, it was a little bit before I was born, um, a little bit before my mom met my dad. But my uncle said my mom used to go up there, be all drugged out. And so, you know, like they would take my sister from her for a while, you know, and go get my sister something to eat. And, you know, one of the first things my sister would say was, can we get my mom something to eat, too? Because wow. she hasn't eaten. Yeah. You know, so. so it's. I know my story is nothing. I could only imagine. My really? That, yeah. And. But I'm trying not to cry because. I know she had it harder than I did, especially not having her own father, having to share my father with me, knowing that that's just my dad. Yeah. Not having her own. And then her her mom not wanting her. I don't want to say not wanting, but that's really what it was. She... And I don't even think she didn't want us. I just, I just yeah. don't think she wanted to be a parent. I think that's what it is. I don't think it wasn't that she necessarily didn't want us didn't want us it's like she when you're an addict your main priority is you're doing your drugs so for you to have kids that's supposed to be your main priority but when you're an addict like of course you can't see that and you already have your main priority so your kids become not like second if not last priority to you like right right and it's just like I don't know. It's just really fucked up because look at my sister now. You guys, my sister is a RN with her BSN and she works at Kaiser. Mm-hmm. And I know. Peter I'm Stockton. so proud of her. Like, of both of you guys, really, your sister really worked her butt off. She worked like multiple jobs while going to school to like pay off, like working the jobs to pay off the loans she was getting for school. Like, she really did like, uh, yeah, there was one point where she was working at a doctor's office. She was working, I want to say, claim jumper. It was right before yeah. claim jumper closed down out there. 
she was doing claim jumpers. Yeah, it's amazing. And And now, like, your guys' relationship is so close. It's so different from when you were a child, so. Yeah, so even, even when my dad was, like, passing, we still weren't even really that close. Like, there were some things she said that I do not want to repeat, but there were some things she said that after my dad passed away, really really bothered me for the fact that I was there with him every day like no matter what I put him through as a kid you know like I was there every day with him feeding him making sure he was showered making sure that he took his medicine I even started selling drugs to make sure that he bought all of his medicine yeah I know your dad was um your main support like even not even support like you guys were like best friends really like I know I I I know how close you guys were and how hard that was um yeah and and it's so it's so hard for me like I'm trying my best to you know take my kids to birthday parties and just to be around people in general for holidays especially because it was always really just me and my dad because my sister got friends and, you know, she worked. Like, my sister has literally worked since high school, though. Like, my sister has worked since high school. So my sister has always been pretty fucking independent. And it's because she was forced to, you know. my Because of my mom, she was forced to and because she felt like, okay, this isn't my dad. That's her dad. I don't want to have to depend on him. Like, I cannot depend on my mom. Like, if I can't depend on my mom, how am I supposed to depend on somebody else's father? But that's honestly just my opinion. I don't really know how she feels, but that's how I look at it. Well, yeah, like, when you don't have your mom and you don't have your dad, even though you she had that support from your dad but not having a dad then who do you have you have nobody but yourself so well and then even exactly. you know so and with uh, with me being so young you know like she wasn't able to talk to me and you know like we weren't we just didn't have well, and you guys weren't you know, a relationship then but don't get me wrong don't get me wrong we did we did have really fun times growing up where we did get along really great. Like, even though my hair would be tight as hell, my head would hurt, and I was an Asian, I loved when my sister did my hair. That was my favorite part of our relationship was when she would do my hair. She would use all her hair accessories and her hair her hair stuff. You know, like, I loved her doing my hair versus my mom doing my hair yeah so when I first opened this podcast I was saying like because like even now that your sister's brought up like I always think how like I'm so impressed and like I guess even though she's older than us like proud of her you know but I was saying when I opened this podcast before I got you on here that um how proud I am of you like because you've come so far and that you're actually like really inspiring to me you know like and how proud I am of you and even when I told my mom I was gonna do this podcast with you and I mentioned you know like how I was gonna talk about our childhood and how like you like fought everybody and you even kind of became like the bully which I hate saying that word but you were you were like a bully but my mom was like 
Well, you know, Regina has always been a such a great, like, amazing person. Like, even though she was kind of like a bully that, you know, and so my mom right away even stood up for you, too, because you really are, like, a really amazing person. I was, and honestly, you know, as bad as I was, I was surprised a lot of people's <laughs> parents let me hang out with them. And clearly, they seem um, to... Hold so, on, can we pause? No, honestly, we can close it up. We're getting... No. Bessie, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing a podcast with Kayla. Oh, my bad. Trisha, yeah, don't worry. My son just woke up right now, too. Really. That's the struggle of being a parent. But, I think we uh, got in deep enough, though, and um, I don't know if there's anything you want to say to close it off, but we Yeah, no, you're not now. I'm like you said, you were at a homeless place, <laughs> and you, um, even you were going to school to be a social worker, so I mean. I was about to say, nah, some of the people that I work with, they are not nice people. Yeah, and you know, you being the bully it. was from how you were raised and you defending yourself. So thank you very much for sharing all that personal stuff. Honestly, it takes a lot of courage for you to be vulnerable and tell everybody your business like that. So I love you. Um, thank you. And go ahead and go take care of your kids. <laughs> I love you. Uh, I'm about to smoke first. So yeah. All right. Love you. <laughs> All so, right. I got a babysitter right now, yo. <laughs> so. All right. All right. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Love you too. Bye. I love you. Now that Regina has hung up, um, unfortunately, we didn't really get into the whole unlearning, relearning part, but you've heard how rough it was for her and for me it wasn't so rough within the household with the family for me it was more so like on the streets and in school that I dealt with people really messing with me and you know with Regina I think when the turning point was was her father passing away and her not really feeling that she had like family like a support and her having to basically really grow up for her to be there for her daughter because she gave birth to her first daughter and then within months later her dad passed away so I think that really shook her world and made it so it was like okay like time to grow up I can't really go to jail because Regina was in and out of juvenile hall her whole life so when you have kids and you're their only support system then you know you can't go to jail like where your kid's gonna go so I think that was the real wake-up call for Regina that that was the point where it was like time for her to grow up and she started going to school and you know making sure she was working and um I could see it just from knowing her personally her temper really cooling down and even before we got on the podcast call we were on the phone and she was saying how she took her daughter to the dentist and you know she's sitting there for an hour and a half and and then they call her in and then they're like you it's still gonna be another hour and like that's something me and her could have very easily just blew a fuse and like snapped on the person she even said oh I wanted to cuss this lady out so bad but you know I just caught my breath and looked at my daughter and I'm like okay well like I hope you understand I have a job and I have a baby that I had to get a babysitter and you know this isn't just like okay reschedule my appointment you know but 
you know, we have to reschedule it, so let's reschedule it. And um, something like that might be so easy for certain people, but when you were brought up, um, how Regina was brought up, and having these anger issues, basically, and not knowing how to control your um, feelings and, uh, you know, just simple situations like that. For somebody, it could be simple, but for somebody else, it's actually a real struggle. So, you know, that, to me, and when she told me that, I was like, you know, good job. (laughs) And um, for me, it was like um, the kids at school or the people on the street who are they picking on you and and then I go and mentally attack myself after I've already been attacked by them. And I'm like, man, I should have said this. I should have did that. I should have defend myself better. And then the next time somebody messes with me, it's like, I'm going to go even harder this time. And then even though I go harder that time, I still, after the attack, it's like I'm sitting there mentally attacking myself. Being like, I should have did this. I should have did that. Said this, said that, you know. And then went even harder the next time and just kept building myself up to be such an angry person. And then... I even had this boyfriend when I was a teenager that he was like, you know, you hop out the car first and you have a knife behind your back, but you don't let them see it and you make sure you go crazy first, you know, like as an intimidation technique and like it, I don't know, like the anger I had and that made sense to me and so that's how it became and then having my first son, I had horrible postpartum depression and I was like a losing my mind I was like a maniac just driving around and you know people just honk at me or something simple that like doesn't have to be a big deal and you know I hop out all crazy with the knife behind my back ready to stab and kill somebody and um at that point I think I look like such a lunatic that people by the time I get out of my car they're like didn't even want to mess with me and then I'm like I'm ready and now they're not ready and then I started realizing that, you know, I'm losing my mind. I'm going crazy. I look like a crazy person. Like, why am I acting like this? If I really do kill somebody, then I'm going to jail. And what's happening to my kid? And that was kind of my turning point. It was like, okay, I'm losing my mind. I'm going crazy. I've seen therapists throughout my life. And when I went to see a therapist after that point, it was like... um I had manic depression, manic anxiety. I was having multiple anxiety and panic attacks throughout the day. I remember like two different times where I was driving and had an anxiety attack so bad that my legs were numb and I had to like physically use my arms to push my leg to push the pedal like and that it's just so scary and I just got to my lowest point I think and that was when I was like okay like this is time for change. So um, Regina, when she started changing, she went to school to be a social worker, and then, um, unfortunately, because of financial reasons, she had to drop out of school and didn't finish her credits, and then it was, her priority was work, and, um, so she's just been working, and she says she plans to eventually go back to school, and she, she's just managing, and, you know, for her family, and making sure, really, that her temper is changed so her kids don't see her acting out and her she doesn't go to jail and get in trouble and for me um the depression is really hard for me um that it'll get me down low and it's hard to get out of that and I for some reason found gardening and I started gardening and that started helping me get me out of that hole and um 
after gardening, I found out about uh, the Gaia School of Healing and um, Earth Education in the, the California branch, and that's what I did. And my teacher, uh, Marisha Murnowska, oh, I hope I said that right. <laughs> um, she's an amazing woman, and now she does, um, her school is the Sacred Wild, and she does online courses now. When I did it, it was in person um, in Topanga, the mountains above Santa Monica. And that, she opened like my eyes, my mind, my heart, like changed my perspective. And I totally started becoming a different person. And I mean, change does not happen overnight. Um, my shift started 2015 and I'm still shifting. Um, I could say this winter of 2020, I've done some big shifting. And now, like, I'm getting to the point of, like, pretty much, like, enlightenment, really. But I'll really still have internal battles. But the new me is totally conquering the old me. And so it's just amazing to see, like, my whole life I build myself up to be this tough person to try and defend myself and then I think what really helped the shift was moving me living in the mountains in the middle of the forest because when you live around toxic people you know and you're trying to change it makes it even harder so being up there and be able to be to myself and really work on myself has really helped me a lot it's like a total change like 180 you know um, and but I still have these internal battles where like the old me wants to come out and the new me's like no and um, it's a struggle sometimes but you know I just work at it every day um, I have addiction issues and that's another a daily thing you know some things you just have to take by the hour or by the day and um, being conscious really conscious conscious of what you're doing and what you're saying and how you're acting like that's a big thing for me too so um I hope you know like I don't want <laughs> I hope you could like get something from this really like I'm not promoting fighting or nothing like that um definitely there's situations where you have to defend yourself but you know um fighting is not the way to go you know so that's not what I was trying to put out in this um it was just more so like the roughness of you know from having crackhead parents and having a pap smear at six and being put in a dryer and a freezer or refrigerator and like all this craziness and having guns pulled out on you and knives and just all this throughout both of our lives that you know built us up to be such a I don't know not horrible people but just not healthy and then having that switch in life to switch that trigger in our head to be like you know, it's time to change, and that we've both been working on it and changing, and, you know, so if you're going through hard times, don't be down on yourself, and, you know, work on changing, and it's an everyday thing, and it's not easy, and you can do it, I mean, we did it, she did it, um, yeah, so, um, That's all for this episode, and you guys have a blessed day, and thank you, and goodbye.